Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen. We are thrilled to join you on 610 ESPN, ready to help you move into the weekend, talking about all the news in the world of sports. Jeff, I'm going to try and get through this show without having a coughing fit for the listeners on the radio. Can uh, we take bets? No, we can I do would an lose. Over under? I would lose. I will not. Um, it, it will not be on DraftKings. Where's your cough button? Uh, what cough button? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm depending on Brett to dump me off the radio on okay. the other side when it. Brett, when, you could start right now. Yeah, right. Jeff will. Jeff will just have me dump out for the whole show. Brett, Brett's a little uh, upset right now. <laughs> I know. Yeah, he's not happy with you. You still are giving him a hard time about his social media usage. No, actually, this time it's it's the Chiefs, and it's, it's, Chiefs. it's actually a more serious subject with with Tyreek Hill. Which, if anybody hasn't heard it today, uh, you should just go online and look and listen to the audio yourself. And I think it'll be a downer. On we'll, your day. we'll get more into that after we I can't finish. Even watch the clip. Yeah, you're. Uh, it's audio. It's audio, and um, you know what I mean. You don't want to listen and. But we'll talk about it after. Uh, we got Evan Macy on right now, managing sports editor for Philly Voice. Evan, how you doing, man? Good. Thanks for having me on, Jason. How no, are you guys? No problem. We're doing good. Uh, you got your writers all over the place right now. You got people headed to Toronto. You got people at the draft in Nashville. They're all over, man. By I'm the following way, it. I, I wanted that assignment. If I was working for your publication, I'd want to be in Nashville right you now. You take Nashville? Yeah. And, and did you see that setup yesterday? It looked cool. It's Evan, not, why didn't, not Philly, Evan, why didn't you setup. go to Nashville is the ultimate question. I mean, I hate to get into the nuggets of, uh, of covering sports. I covered the NFL draft when it was in Philly, so you, and you, it was awful. <laughs> the Wi-Fi wasn't working. The access to the players was really limited. You just kind of sat in a tent and waited for things to happen. It's so, amazing how um, much you how much different you look at events like that when you actually have to work at them, isn't it? Right, isn't it? Like, right, exactly. <laughs> like you don't uh, really... I would love to go to Nashville on vacation and get paid for it. Yes, um, be in the crowd maybe or something like that. <laughs> it did look cool yeah, visually yeah, yeah. though for the NFL last night to have Broadway packed before the rain started, of course. Yeah. But it looked yeah, that great. looked really cool. Um, your thoughts, uh, the Eagles. Uh, obviously, we'll talk overall draft in a second, but uh, Eagles take an offensive lineman trade up to get him. Um, your thoughts, I was reading Jimmy Kemsky and some of your other writers. What do you think about that pick and how they got him? Uh, I think it was the right move. I think Carson Wentz is the future of the franchise. Jason Peters is 37, 38. He's not really staying healthy. Um, you have Brandon Brooks coming back from an injury. There's question marks with Jordan Mailata. Vitae is not fantastic as a tackle. And this is exactly the position that you want to get. And according to what Howie Roseman was saying yesterday, this was one of their top ten guys on their draft board. Yeah, I was imp- um, I was impressed. They yeah, but of- don't they always say that? <laughs> yeah, they always say that. Yeah, but- um, I, I hear, I don't know from who, that the Texans wanted him, and that's why they jumped ahead three spots. And that's what it um, seemed like. The Texans seemed to get caught flat-footed and took the uh, offensive lineman, I believe, out of Alabama State after that. Um, but they, they definitely seem to have their eyes on him as a lineman. Uh, he's got some amazing stats. I think in Washington State, they're like the air raid offense. They dropped back 722 times last year. He gave up one sack. So there's the zone-blocking aspect of it where he's a good blocker for passing. You have concerns about him not being the run blocker, uh, Doug, the how he seemed to indicate that it'd be on Jeff Stoutland to sort of coach him up on that. Yeah, I mean, Stoutland's a great coach, and the the offensive line room that you have in Philadelphia is pretty incredible. That's exactly where you'd want to have a guy uh, just like him to learn what's going on, to, to just watch Jason Peters go through his season, to watch Lane Johnson, to watch Jason Kelsey 
Um, you know, so I think it's a really great situation. There's not a lot of pressure on him to start right away. He, in my opinion, maybe they'll put him at guard if, if he's really impressive in training camp. But if not, he's probably going to play the role of the next man up if somebody gets hurt, which is perfect for him. And my big concern is that he has played his college career standing up. Um, is he going to have a problem adjusting to going into a three-point stance in the NFL? Well, I'm not the expert on uh, offensive line techniques. I'm sure Jimmy Kemsky would have some thoughts on that. He knows everything about everything mundane football. <laughs> but one thing that I do know is this guy is really athletic. Just watching the highlights that I saw from him, just seeing the, the way that he's able to kind of move and, and open up holes on the running plays that I did see, and his pass protection is incredible. When you're talking about a kid who's 22 and athletic, I would have confidence that they could maybe mold him into the offensive lineman they want him to be. I was 22 once. <laughs> you're not the athletic part. <laughs> and, and, and you're not anymore. Uh, I'm interested, before we get to the other rounds of the draft with the Eagles coming up, uh, what was your traffic like on the Redskins and Giants stories after last night? Because Giants fans uh, don't seem very happy with their pick. I actually you can get the, season tickets now, though. I'm sure. The guy won six season tickets for 100 years. He probably tried to give them back. Look, I can just tell you briefly, that as a kid, when the Giants Stadium first opened and I grew up in North Jersey, I put my name on My dad put our name on the wait list, and there was about 76,000 people. When he passed away, we were still like 50,000. I got an email. That you, their tickets are ready now? That, that if No, that seriously, that if you want to get uh, season tickets, you can get them now. Any thoughts on uh, what the Giants did and what the Redskins did last night? I'm just completely dumbfounded. Well, let's, let's talk about the Redskins first. I think they actually had a good draft. I think Haskins was maybe the best quarterback in the draft, definitely the second best in the draft, definitely better than who the Giants took in Jones. I think that's a really smart pick for them. They were able to just kind of wait, and he fell to them. I was amazed they didn't have to move to get him. It enabled them to move later to get the second pick in the first round for them. Right, right, right. And so Sweat uh, is one of those guys who has a really, really high – uh, a really high ceiling, but a really low floor. You don't know what you're going to get with him. Um, I know Jimmy previewed him a lot, and he's a really, really talented but injury-prone uh, pass rusher. I think the Redskins did as good as they could do. As far as the Giants, I, I'm running out of ways to describe <laughs> it. Just, Eli Manning probably, forever. <laughs> yeah, they could probably have gotten him at 30, let alone 17. Not to mention the yeah, players but, that they passed up. Yeah, but keep six. in mind, Gettleman was in love. That's that's what that, that's what he said the today. The meme, the <laughs> meme that sticks with me, is that uh, Daniel Jones is the character actor who would be cast to play Eli Manning in a movie about Peyton Manning. Yes, I saw that. Okay, I saw that <laughs> yeah. meme too. Okay, and I laughed out loud. That that was a very seriously. What is, what is Gettleman thinking? And and by the way. When he says things, he says it like he thinks he's so much smarter than everybody else. How do you draft that high a quarterback that, as you said, is going to be available much lower when the Giants have other needs? And a guy who wasn't even given a scholarship going to college. He was okay. I mean, I watched him play against Temple, uh, which is my alma mater, and they crushed him. But... I mean, okay. he went to Duke, and, and when they played Clemson and Florida State, he was awful. 
I, I don't know what quarterback they were looking at. I, I can't figure it out. It's the, just the best reaction the, was the uh, the cell phone cams of the Giants fans in the stadium at their watch party after they drafted him. It seemed like there was gonna be a riot there in the stadium. The, the worst part for the Giants is gonna be that last year they had a chance to get Darno and he's in the other locker room. And now Washington Haskins. is going to play them twice every year, and you're going to, they're going to have to watch Haskins. Meanwhile, Eli's going to play this year, at least just this year, and Jones is just going to be sitting on the bench holding a clipboard. Oh, to be a Giants fan. <laughs> um, a- other news from the draft, did it surprise you that Arizona went with Kyler Murray? He's the first athlete to ever be drafted in the first round of both baseball and football drafts. No idea what happens to Josh Rosen now. <laughs> Well, it, it does it surprise me? No, this is just kind of what the draft has become. If you need a quarterback and you pick in the first three picks, you're going to pick the best quarterback. He's a stud athlete. Having him focus on just football, um, you know, he he could end up being really, really good. I think that uh, as far as Rosen goes, they they really hurt their. They needed to trade him yesterday. We'll put it that way. Because there's a lot of teams that needed quarterbacks that no longer need quarterbacks. So I don't know what the market is. I'm seeing the Patriots are now in on him, I guess, to have him learn from Tom Brady, which would be a really good fit. But that's probably not going to land them the price they wanted for him. So that was misplayed, for sure. Well, I I heard reports today that they weren't even seriously considering offers until yesterday. Why, If that's true, why would they wait this long to lose leverage in, in the way that you just said. Right. And it's interesting. I'm trying to make sense of this. And there's a lot of transactions that happen that seem premature in football. And a lot of times we kill general managers for pulling the trigger too soon. We would never maybe do that Maybe selling here. too low. And this is like the opposite side of that. And I guess you just have to understand that you're going to see general managers both overplay and underplay their hands. Before we move on to the basketball, let's talk a little about round two. what you expect to see uh, tonight, round two, and through the weekend. Uh, obviously, you know, needs. We, you hear wide receiver, you hear running back, linebacker. What are uh, your guys hearing out there, and, and what do you think we should watch for tonight and tomorrow? Well, these are two really important picks. I would say that these are – the picks on Saturday are almost irrelevant. They need to land these two picks two second round picks they're in the 50s it's really hard to project what they're going to do because they're going to be in the 20th ish picks of the second round I wouldn't be surprised if they went safety I wouldn't be surprised if they went with another offensive lineman actually if if the correct running back or the correct wide receiver falls to them I could see them doing that as well uh, there's a lot of rumors out there that Nelson Aguilar is kind of being shopped or at least he's been made available that would only happen if they drafted a wide receiver tomorrow. And it's going to be a value play. Howie Roseman is not going to draft for need. There's really no glaring needs. He's going to try to make the best value pick. So there's really no way, in my opinion, to kind of project. It's just watch the best available board and kind of put your head at what the Eagles value, which is players that can play multiple positions. You know, a safety who's played cornerback in the past, that's something that's going to be appealing. Uh, a, a tackle who can play guard and center, that's going to be appealing. And the value as far as where the draft board would be, 
But it's going to be very interesting. It's a very important night tonight for the Eagles, for sure. I got four names for you. Give us an up and down and what you think of these guys. First, a guy from your school, Rock Yassin. Well, I really like him because he went to my school. <laughs> he threw you a softball uh, there for the first one. <laughs> yeah. The, the, I don't know what this whole narrative is that the Eagles need cornerback help. Obviously, their secondary wasn't great last year, but there are a lot of reasons for that. And if you look at the players that they have under contract right now, they're young players who have team-friendly deals. Obviously, you know, if he, if he falls to 57, of course they're going to make that pick. I don't think he's going to be, be there still. I don't think cornerback is a glaring need, although I know a lot of people who would disagree with me there. All right. How about Debo Samuel, wide receiver from South Carolina? He's the big one, right? Well, he, no, he's the guy. He's 5'11", 214. He's a slot receiver. I saw him last year. I went to the South Carolina-Clemson game, and he carved up the Clemson's defense as a slot In receiver. South Carolina defense, or the Clemson South, defense. Clemson defense. If they can get somebody, you know, what comes to mind is when they made that Jeremy Macklin pick, I guess it's almost a decade ago. If they can get somebody valuable in the, in the you know, the second to third round, who can kind of be the fourth or slot guy this year and then step up. They're going to have big decisions to make when it comes to Deshaun coming off the books. They're going to have Alshon Jeffries going to be coming off the books. They don't really have a young receiver of the future. So I wouldn't go so far as to say it's a glaring need, but if they can get, if they can get somebody who has a second round grade or even a first round grade tonight, that's going to be a steal. They uh, they extended Tim Jernigan for another year, and I saw reports that Chris Long said, you know, don't necessarily figure me in your plans. Does that mean that they're looking for somebody on the defensive line, a defensive end? Where do you think they'll go in that direction? I think there's so many guys now on the defensive line, and a lot of them are older veterans. I think Chris Long wants to, if he's going to commit to playing another year, he doesn't want to be the fifth or sixth edge rusher. He wanted to see what would happen in the draft. A lot of people projected the Eagles would take a defensive lineman, and they didn't. That might, you know, earn you another year of Chris Long. I don't know if that's really in the Eagles' thinking. But if they don't take a defensive lineman tonight in their two second-round picks, I wouldn't be surprised if that would bolster an argument for Chris Long coming back. Definitely something to watch, and uh, we'll be following Jimmy Kemsky and the rest of your guys on Twitter over the weekend. Let's move to the Sixers a little bit. Uh, your thoughts on the first-round series against the Nets. I, I did notice some of the stats. Uh, in the 49 minutes that the five starters for the Sixers were on the court, they outscored the Nets 141-70. to 70. Are we going to see the five starters on the court a lot against Toronto? How do you feel about everybody's health and everything going into this series now? Well, you might end up seeing the five starters a lot just because of the health issue. Mike Scott has that injury... We really don't know either way if he's going to be good to go at least for game one. And he's arguably their most valuable reserve player. We also saw uh, Brett Brown made a switch at backup point guard from TJ McConnell to Jimmy Butler, which worked out. He did a lot. Of, obviously, you saw the job that uh, Ben Simmons did on uh, D'Angelo Russell. So if they did that, the if they start, moved Butler more to the backup point, which Jeff has been calling for all year, he he likes when, when Butler has the ball on the offensive end, um, would that sort of free up the Kawhi Leonard matchup in terms of who he's guarding and who's guarding him? Do you think that's part of the strategy they'll figure in there? I think the strategy is the Sixers are so, 
they're they're loaded on the on, with their starting lineup. That Kawhi Leonard, in my opinion, whoever he's guarding, there's so many other guys. You could have Tobias Harris who can come off the ball. The same with J.J. Redick. Uh, the, a key matchup for Joel Embiid is going to be him versus Lopez down in the post, but that's another one that could be in Embiid's favor if he's feeling healthy. And then, of course, Ben Simmons. If Ben Simmons is not forced to guard the Kawhi, his his matchup against Kawhi Leonard is one that I'm a little bit concerned with. Yeah, I think the the biggest problem with that matchup is actually on defense. Is when Kawhi yeah. Leonard in the three games that Kawhi Leonard played out of the four that the Sixers played against the Raptors, Ben Simmons averaged eight turnovers a game. And my concern is even if Kawhi Leonard takes Simmons out of the offense, the bigger problem is can Ben Simmons be disciplined enough not to turn the ball over? Ben Simmons is just so good. When he wants to be. That's a great way and to put it. We saw that in when the first round series. Yeah, we saw that in the first round series. Obviously, he laid an egg in the first game, got booed, and then he turned it up for the rest of the series. I don't know what's going on with the motivation uh, factor with this guy because you really don't want him to have to get up for a playoff game. So that's a little bit concerning. But the way that he played in game three, game four, game five has to give you a lot of confidence. The the first four times that the Sixers played Toronto, they didn't have Tobias Harris. It was before this trade. Right. So you kind of have to take all of those things with a grain of salt. And also, it's going to be a very different look because they're going to they're not going to go very deep with the bench, especially if Scott is hurt. You're going to have Boban going to be getting limited minutes, and then you're probably going to see maybe two or three other bench guys get in, and that's it. Boban's going to get fewer probably minutes than he did in the Nets series, right? He was able to really make an impact, but with with the way Toronto plays, that doesn't seem like a favorable matchup. It seemed like before Mike Scott hurt, Mike Scott got hurt, they would be more likely to go to a smaller lineup against Toronto with him on the floor as opposed to Boban, it seemed like the talk was. Yeah, I would have agreed with you. Boban, I mean, I was at those home games, and every time he had the ball, the entire stadium was screaming, shoot. <laughs> and he actually made a couple of jump shots. I mean, offensively, you're going to get what you can get from him. But on defense, as a rim protector, obviously he's gigantic, but he's a liability if you have a guy who's going to be able to swing outside a stretch four or stretch five. So does he's that really, really tough guarding an agile center. So that's going to be tough for them in this series. So does that mean Jonah Bolden then becomes the backup center for this series? <laughs> People for Jonah Bolden is a rookie. Yep. Don't so, forget. So is Zaire Smith. That, he's but he's, so but at this minutes. point, at this time of year, nobody's a rookie. True. True. He. He got a lot of opportunities to show that he could be the backup center. I mean, they brought in freaking, uh, what's his name, Monroe. It, it seemed like the, the coach kind of went more towards Monroe as opposed to putting Jonah on the court. What, I guess he just wants more of that veteran presence on there. Um, yeah, and also some insurance because Boban and Embiid both have had injuries this season. So, I mean, the worst-case scenario is that you're going to have Monroe and Bolden as your centers. Hopefully that doesn't play out, but that was kind of the insurance play there. Well, we are going to be following all of your people on Twitter, uh, reading your stories on Philly Voice, and always appreciate you giving us a few minutes to break it all down. Yeah, my pleasure, guys. Thanks, man. Have a great day. You too. All right, Jeff. Let's, uh, let's break down everything that we heard. Okay. Where do you want to go? Sixers? Sixers. Let's go with the round ball. You mentioned turnovers, mm-hmm. and I have a big concern about that. Um, the, the Sixers 
had times during the season where they averaged a lot of turnovers. They cut it down in the last 28 games. They had the 14th most in the league. And then they had games in the Nets series where even when they were winning, they were turning the ball over a lot. You know what I want? You know what my wish is for this series? That Ben Simmons is less exciting. I know, I know that sounds counterintuitive, but what I mean by that is because I was at the games and I was kind of behind the basket and watching Ben Simmons as he, as he comes up the court, he's always looking to make the behind the back, the, the sexy wow pass. And if he would just make the simple passes that are there. Or just shoot the ball as opposed to well, trying to pass that, it. that, but that's not going to happen. I know I'm asking too much. So yeah, exactly. So I just want to limit the turnovers because you are playing against arguably the best defender in the league in Kawhi Leonard. And I know that Tobias Harris is not was not there, but Ben Simmons was. And I have a feeling that Kawhi is still going to be on him. So if Ben makes the smart play and isn't looking for the alley-oop every time, I think that they're going to be oh, better off. I don't know if they're going to win the series, but I think they'll be better off. I know you don't like records across seasons. Yeah. but since Especially with the—I the, mean, these are completely different teams. Since Brett Brown is here, yeah. the Sixers are— have lost 21 of 24 games against Toronto. Yeah, but that doesn't mean anything. I just like to throw because things the out to get you annoyed. Because the first three seasons, they were trying to lose games. And they did very well to Toronto. Apparently, well, they did that very well against every team. Can we talk something other than Sixers real fast? Sure. Have you ever sent an email and no. copied somebody <laughs> or blind carbon copied somebody on it and realized that the things that you said in there you probably didn't want a carbon copy to the person you sent it. Yeah, I've texted people too and and said stuff, but you, uh, but uh, yeah, I I know exactly what you're talking about. What you're talking about is Rob Polinka. Apparently, despite all his brilliance that he thought he had, was somehow he was I guess stabbing at least the allegation was stabbing Magic in the back, but copying Magic on the emails. The stupid hurts <laughs> which, so bad with but, that one. But but it now makes sense that Magic resigned did, so quickly. Yeah, he just quit and didn't tell anyone. Yeah, except everybody on the me- in the media. And it wasn't just one email. Apparently, it was like standard well, it was, practice. It, it was they a BCC'd, BCC'd him on emails, <laughs> and so then they started trash talking Magic but, on his own emails. But when, when you say it's a standard practice. You, as far as I know, you can't just set up to BCC someone. You have to physically put it in. So somebody had to put in his name, or at least the first couple letters, and then it'll autofill. If none of it makes any sense, other than the fact that now I get why Magic just said, "See ya." The relevance to the Sixers here is that it looks like Monty Williams, uh, Sixers' current assistant coach, may end up being the new head coach. Since they cleaned house and replaced Luke Walton out Not there. Not so fast, though. I mean, the Phoenix, if if you're Monty Williams, what's the better situation? Is is it the I Lakers go to Phoenix job? because as a coach, LeBron's a coach killer. Well, that's it. And and Phoenix, for as bad as their record was, they got Aiton last year. They have a sharpshooter. They're going to get a high pick this year. They're young. They're young. Either way, I don't believe that Monty Williams is a coach on the Sixers staff next year. No, I don't either. I mean, look, he deserves this opportunity. Are you watching some of the other playoff matchups going on in the NBA? Yeah. <laughs> There's some fun basketball going on. Uh, Lillard's shot at the end of game, oh that game my. was just because it wasn't you the, just— You mean the bad shot, according, yeah, to, according to Oklahoma City? Here's the amazing thing about that shot. If you watch him— it looks like he's setting up for that shot that far back and oh, has to- exactly 
total confidence. And it was it was amazing to see just how calm and cool he was when he put that ball up. Was doing there exactly from from the second that he brought the ball up court he knew he was shooting that shot he knew it was game and the reaction uh, in portland was spectacular um so they're now waiting they beat oklahoma city in the first round yep. they're they're waiting on san antonio denver who's going to play a game seven tomorrow night did anybody think that san antonio was going to make the playoffs let alone take a team to a game seven no but did anybody trading Kawhi did anybody think that denver would have the two seed in the west uh, no, I think at the beginning of the season, I actually said Denver. Was you did not say they were going to have right, a two seed. We'll have to go back. And we're going to have to check tape. the tape. I mm-hmm. think you're full of it with oh, that. Oh, I think so. You could be right, yeah. but I don't remember it. And and if you come back and you are right, I'm still not going to acknowledge it. Like this. So <laughs> anyway, there's no point looking. So, is your point? No, why waste your time? So uh-huh. Houston won their series four one. Yeah. And the Warriors started talking the other night about how they wanted to play Houston, yeah. and a funny thing happened. They lost to L.A. And so now it's three two going back to the Clippers, and you got the. Here's Game another tight. one of my. Did anybody ever think? Did anybody? <laughs> did it? Though you didn't get through the show without. No, coffee. no, it's a did, bet not to take. Did anybody ever think Lou Williams, this far from when he was drafted by the Sixers, was still going to be in the NBA, let alone scoring thirty points against the Warriors? You know who's drafted game? by the Sixers? It looks confident is Landry Shamit. Yep, he's playing some good mm-hmm. basketball, and uh, he's going to be somebody to watch for years to come. Yeah, and, and look. I wanted him to stay here, but that doesn't mean it was a bad trade. No, no, it, I don't think it was. It only be, well, it becomes a bad trade if, if, they, if they don't Harris win walks. this year and Tobias Harris doesn't stay. Yeah. And there are a lot of teams, there are rumors out there of a lot of teams, including the Nets, that are going after Tobias Harris when the season's over. All right. Uh, other matchups, uh, you looking forward to Bucks celtics I'm looking forward to watching the Bucks kick the Celtics. Is that so? You ends? don't think that that's going to be a series? Oh, I think it'll be a series. I think it'll go six games. But I think the Bucks have the. You know, people think it's Giannis. It's Giannis and a whole They've bunch of talented team. guys, and they may be getting uh, Brogdon back. This is a good Eastern Conference Final Four teams there. It really to, is to advance on. It's probably. The best top four that they've had in a few years, I think, in terms of matchups. The Eastern Conference, yeah, for sure. not the West. The, yeah. the West for years has been the the deep conference, but the Eastern Conference is here. I mean, when have, when have you gone more than two team teams deep in the Eastern Conference in the last ten years? Yeah, not, it's basically been wherever LeBron is. Not much that really had a shot at. Yeah, uh, anything we didn't touch on on the draft before I let you go on that. Well, uh, the, I could give you my Michigan picks, who are who I think that the Eagles should go after, which is Chase Winovich. I mean, the guy is a beast on defensive line, and there's another guy, David Long, but I don't think he'll be around. But if he is al- around, he's he would be a really good cornerback. So you calling Howie? Your your pipeline to Michigan? Uh, I don't think he can try and make that happen. I think he cares what we think. Uh, he's pro- doing a, he's doing a fine job without us. He definitely doesn't care what yeah. you think. He might care what I think, oh. but he doesn't care what you think. Well, you know, s- speaking of which, we're going to see another Eagle next week. We are. Uh, yeah. Doug Peterson will be at the Marion in Cinnaminson next week. If you if you want to go, you can actually get discounted tickets through the show. Uh, you go to peterson.eventbrite.com, enter the code Heart of Sports. It's an evening with Doug Peterson talking about leadership, motivation, and success. Jeff, you're going to be up there asking him about how to be a leader. I think he could tell us all about how to be a leader. I think he's done a pretty good job. Yeah, I'm looking forward It'll to it. It'll be a lot of fun. Looking forward to it. South Palantonio will be there as well. Uh, it should be a good night put on by SJ Magazine. Let's try not to ask a question that's going to get them all testy. I'm not asking questions. You, you're going to get yourself in trouble. <laughs> Why don't we leave it there? We'll head to break. When we get back, we're going to talk about uh, MLB Ump's Cares, uh, lots more. We're going to talk little union, little NHL, Phillies, baseball. We've got it. Stick with us. 
Are you looking for a lifeline? Verizon New Jersey Shares Communication Lifeline is a statewide nonprofit that provides assistance to individuals and families living in New Jersey, those who are in need of temporary help in paying their communication and energy bills. Want to know how to apply? All you need to do is call Verizon New Jersey Shares at 1-888-337-3339 or visit on the web at www.newjerseyshares.org. It's quick and easy to sign up, but remember, you must be a Verizon Residential Landline customer to apply for eligible programs. That's Verizon New Jersey Shares, keeping the lines of communication open for you and your family. Taking you into the weekend with the latest news in the world of sports. With the biggest names on and off the field. It's the heart of sports each and every Friday at 4 p.m. on 610 ESPN. With former players, reporters, and commentators like Adam Schefter, John Runyon, Keith Jones, Trey Thomas, and Doug Glanville, Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen cover the agony and ecstasy of fandom while weaving in conversations about the impact of sports on society. That's the heart of sports, Fridays at 4 p.m. Welcome back to the Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen. All right, Jeff, let's get to some baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, what's going on with the Phillies? If you have a hamstring, it must be injured. Are they not it, stretching right? <laughs> I don't know what it is. It, it's it is concerning that this many guys have this many soft tissues, the same soft tissue injury. I, I don't get it. I mean, you really have. It's not something that should be happening this easy, this early in the season. No, it shouldn't, and I'm not sure what's going on. They've really tested their depth both on the bench and in the farm system. Yeah, they basically have no more shortstops out there right none, now. Well, none from AAA, or I mean, they're going to have to dig into AA at this point, right? But they're definitely going to have to. Um, what is going on with the bats in this lineup since Gene Segura went out? There have really been some struggles. It, it's it's table setting and. They had the perfect table-setting duo in McCutcheon and Segura, and then then you had Harper and Hoskins, and without having Segura up there, who was a guy who gets on base a lot, even if he doesn't get a hit, he's on a lot. And you don't have that at the top of your lineup, and it really does mess up the lineup. Roman Quinn injured again, uh, out for a little while. Is there anybody more snake-bitten by him in the system? I don't know. I, 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 don't you feel just terrible for him? I mean... People sit there and are giving him a hard time because he's getting injured. Well, look, we've seen Roman Quinn. We've seen him practice. We've seen we've seen him work out. We've seen what he goes through. It's not like the guy isn't trying. He just there are certain people, and I don't. I agree. You can't count on him at this point. But it's nothing that he did, and it's a shame to see this happen. Even even the play he got injured on again was exactly what you you needed from from that backup outfielder. He had the ability to lay down a suicide squeeze bunt. And run it out. And, and run it out. Yeah. I mean, it was a great play, and it was important in the game. Mm-hmm. They took him out the next game, the next play. There was really nothing that they could do. Tonight's lineup, I don't know if you saw, uh, they may be a little delayed with the weather. Uh-oh. We'll see. But it looks like um, McCutcheon is actually going to start in center field tonight with Nick Williams. Well, they had mentioned that last night. Getting yeah. the start in the mm-hmm. outfield. Uh, did you see Nick Williams with the gun from the outfield last night? Yeah. Threw it 95 he, miles an hour. It's the third ball that's been hit to him all year. And well, well, he hasn't. I Has he started? No. This is his first start. Yeah. He's so, only come off the bench pinch hitting. So there's only, there's only so many uh, fielding chances you get from the bench. There are. There's only so many chances <laughs> that you get uh, to make that I happen. I mean, Aaron, Aaron Altair was getting a lot more time than he was. 
He was. Um, JT Real Muto has has looked very good. Um, your thoughts on the pitching right now? Uh, Pavetta obviously down uh, up after Ikoff went down last week. Uh, Vinny Velasquez, another five inning start. Wait, it went the other way. Other way around. Am I confused? Pavetta went down. Is it the cold medicine? Ikoff went up. Is it the allergy I, I medicine? I think so. Just Either that things? or I missed I missed a transaction. That's what I was worried about. Jeff, why don't you tell me who's up and who's down in the Philly <laughs> system? <laughs> Arietta's been pitching really well. He has. Did, were you surprised that he called out the team and Harper for getting tossed the other night? No, he seems like the leader that kind of does that. I think he did that in Chicago, too, when he was there. Were you surprised? He's a very outspoken guy. I What I was happy about was the way that Harper handled it. Were you surprised that Reese Hoskins had another ball thrown at his head? So, you you got to admit, that may have been the best revenge. I didn't get to that. I asked, I asked if, if you were surprised he had a ball thrown at his head. He had two balls two. thrown at his head. I didn't ask you about the revenge yet. Yeah. Oh, okay. Did that surprise you? Did it surprise me? No. Did it surprise you that it took him 34 and a half seconds to round, the bases, to round the bases on his home run yes. as revenge? I, I, th- revenge is now a, a, a dish best served cold. I mean, slow. And, slow. and, yeah. and, and it was to watch that, get that ball on that bat, and then him basically walk around the bases just staring at Rame was am- amazing to watch. I'm surprised that somebody didn't tackle him from the Mets. It was, but I think he's just asked for getting thrown at the next time. They he play may the Mets. still be rounding the bases yeah. right now. Mm-hmm. It was unbelievable. It was the longest home run shot of the year. Of the year, yeah. without a doubt, by far. Yes, by far. Uh-huh. But I, I saw something that when Bartolo Colon hit his last home run, it took him 30 seconds to round the bases. It took it took <laughs> yeah, Reese 34. But C- Colon was trying to run fast. <laughs> yes, Reese clearly was not. Um, he made sure to wave at the bullpen and and wave at everybody else. And uh, yeah, he may still be running. Uh, but that was pretty much one of the few bright spots this week. Otherwise, the Phillies have really not played great ball. Oh well, that you're not be okay. You're not concerned at all. It's, in the early, it's early in the season. There's a lot of these soft tissue injuries. I think they'll be fine. I, you don't want to panic three weeks you're into the a, season. I have patient Jeff today. I don't what? have like uptight. Like, do I need people to Zen fight with Jeff. you before How's the show? That? You, you're you're like so calm about this. Eh, it's uh, gonna be fine. No be big fine. deal. Um, you didn't ask me what I thought was going to happen to the Sixers, then I would have told you. It's, I don't think I'll it's going to be I'll go back. What do you think is going to happen to the Sixers? I don't think it's going to be fine. You don't think they win the series? No, I don't think they win the series. I don't uh, think they win a Game 7 in Toronto. I think that if they win it, they win it in 6 or before. I think the Game 7 in Toronto would be well, very that, that's difficult. a whole lot of ifs. Now I'm going to make you commit. What do you, what do you, I think they win it in 6. You think the Sixers win it in 6? Yes. Okay, so who wins Game 1? I think the Sixers we, we'll go in and steal that one, actually. Really? Yes. They steal that one. So they win the first two. First, we're assuming MB plays, right? We are assuming he plays. Okay. They win that one. They win the two at home, and mm-hmm. then they win Game Six. They lose the other two in Toronto. If they if they're going to That's win the bold. if they're going to win the series, I think they have to win Game One. Yeah, I don't think they can have a start like they had against the Nets uh-huh. against Toronto because they're not a team that will fold and not show up. They're not a team that will go over in the first half like the Nets did uh, in Game Five. Uh, Toronto is going to be a really tough matchup i have some concerns about guarding Kawhi. i have some concerns about how active toronto is on the defensive end in terms of terms of turnovers that the sixers could be forced into um so i don't think it's an easy series but i actually have a oddly better feeling about this than i did going into the Nets series about this team not Uh, playing the nets but how the sixers are playing 
heading in. They're healthier than they were going against the Nets. But you know what? It's funny series. you say that because the last game, I was at the last home game when they clinched, and at the, before the game starts, they actually put on the board the injured, the list of injured players, and it had injured Sixers and nobody's name, and the stadium, everybody got up and cheered. It's it, it's <laughs> significant because of, look, when, when we had Keith Pompey on yeah. before the series started, Mm-hmm. He had no idea what we were going to see from this team. Nobody did. Nobody did. Because nobody knew if Embiid was going to play. I mean, that was the big problem. Now your biggest problem is, is Embiid going to play, but he looks like he he should be okay. He I don't looked know. healthier in Game 5 than he had since he came back. Are we going to have to have load management in the playoffs? Yes. Are I, we really? I think they're going to. Yeah. How? It, it, depending on his health, look, if... Let's say that you win game one and he's well, sore well, for game two. Do you push him through in game two and have him play, or do you sit him for the home games? How, how do you sit him when you really don't have anybody else that can go against the, the three-headed center that is the Raptors? I don't—I didn't say I want to sit him, but at the same time, you know, what are you going to do if, if his knee is not healthy, if it's not stable? All right, well— he, We'll talk about that, but here's something that I want to do. I want to. We're going to have our, our next guest on, and our next He's guest on. is Gary Darling. Gary, are you there? I am, guys. I apologize that for being a little late. Oh, uh, no problem. Jeff, never mind. You're the you're the umpire. Jeff, never mind's talking to me for a little longer. Don't worry about it at all. You're the umpire. They can't start the game until you get here. Well, that's true. Yeah, we've uh, been known to do uh, come out of the locker room late, finishing up a card game sometimes. So. <laughs> <laughs> See, we we weren't even going to bring that up. We were just going to. Go on from it right there. Uh, we were excited to to be able to talk to you. You're you're now the president of the official charity of the MLB Umpires Umps Care, and right. we, we wanted to have you on to talk a little bit about the organization. We we always ask athletes about um, what it's like for them to be involved in the community. We like to talk about the impact sports has on the community, and we saw what you guys were doing there, and we really wanted to give you a chance to come on and tell people about it a little bit so they could learn more. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, Umps Care, we. Uh you know, kind of unofficially started back in uh, 99 due to one of the labor disputes we had, and it was originally set up just to help some of the guys that lost their jobs uh, temporarily and some permanently on the uh, during that labor dispute. Um, but then it kind of morphed into we kind of really went full bore with it six and started uh, our Blue Crew Ticket Program where we have, you know, we, oh, lo- we lost you there for a second, Gary. Oh, I'm sorry. There we go. We got you back. Yeah. I'm just saying the Boys and Girls Club is one of the people that we have, you know, the, the, the big and the little come out to the, you know, the, the ballpark and get to come down to the umpire room and uh, kind of... Yep. We lost you there for a second again. The reception is not cooperating with you very much right now. I apologize. Hold on. Let me see if I can change places. Don't worry. I can never get reception when I need it either. Oh, I hear you. <laughs> um, anyway, you want to start over? Or you, where are we at with this? Yeah, we'll, we'll go ahead. So um, you were telling us about uh, bringing the, the kids to the game with the big and the little and the experience they get with the umpires there. Yeah, we yeah we do that with a whole bunch of different stuff now too. But that's kind of one of the main ones is the you know the mentor and the young kid. And now we have you know, like Casey cares. Um, you know some kids are you know a little bit disabled and 
have them on the field and get to meet the umpires and go down there and get some pictures taken and stuff. We also uh, have our hospital visits that we do 12 to 14 during the season around different ball, different hospitals in different cities where we do a, a Build-A-Bear workshop where we come in with 100 or so bears with different outfits and go room to room to some you know critically ill kids and try and put a smile on their face for the day and let them pick out what bear they want and uh, what outfit and, you know, go with that with, with them and let them uh, enjoy themselves for a day. And their parents seem to get a, you know, they're thrilled to have somebody there trying to help their, their children a little bit too. So, What's it mean to the umpires, um, the impact that it has on them? We often look at it from the impact that, that you can have on the kids and the parents. But I have to imagine that for your own umpires and the crews that you send, they walk away getting something out of it that's very valuable too. Oh, there's no doubt. It's you know, you know, umpires are just like everybody else. You know, we have families, we have ups and downs with uh, sick kids, and so yeah, you know, just being able to give back to communities in different ways just uh, it is rewarding on that. And you know, we're all we're just normal people like everybody else, and you know, some guys like to. You know, they donate and work with charities around their hometown, but this is the one that we've, as a group, we've all kind of gotten behind where we, we you know, give back. And it does, you know, it makes you feel good, but it, it makes you feel good because you're helping somebody else out too. You and, know, it's not just And you guys us. give out about twelve to 1,500 bears annually. Anyway, I saw it's almost 13,000 bears that you've given out now. I mean, the impact on those kids is, is probably immeasurable. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, the kids enjoy it, but I, like I said, I think, when you look at, you know, you take a step back and see some of the parents and, and the what, how how they're reacting during that time is just as rewarding because, you know, most of the umpires, if not all of them, are parents. So it's uh, it's just a it's a good situation that we're in. It's nice that uh, it's continued on since, you know, it's going on 13 years now. So well, if you look back to 99, it's really been going on a long time, but. 20 years, but the actual arms care program since 2006. So one of your biggest yeah. fundraisers, Gary, is your, your online auction, which is actually one of the reasons we wanted to have you on was because it's going on right now. So can you tell us a little bit about the online auction and some of the, some of the items that, uh, that you look forward to, to seeing people bid on? Well, we have all kinds of experiences. We have, you know, you know, take us to a Phillies game and get to go on the field during batting practice. They don't get to take BP, but they're on the field during batting practice. Um, get a little up close with, uh, you know, Reese Hoskins and uh, um, Bryce Harper and, you know, the other guys. But we do those. Most most of the big league clubs have, have helped us out with experiences like that. Like I think uh, right now, the last time I checked, the one in Philly is up over $1,000, $1,200. Or so for people who have been to you know tickets to the game, we have you can bid and go to you know go lunch with an umpire in different cities, uh, and we have a Reese Hoskins signed baseball. We have uh, annually the one that's the biggest selling baseball we have. I mean we've had you know Jeter baseballs, Joe Torre baseballs. I mean superstars all you know um, George Brett. I mean you can go on and on, but year in year out. The number one selling baseball we've had is uh, um, the announcer from the Vin Scully. Vin Scully, yeah. His his ball annually goes over the highest. But this year so far, Ichiro's. We got an Ichiro signed baseball that's edging out uh, Vin's ball a little bit, but it's 
crazy how not even a player announcer is so revered in the Dodger area that his baseball has gone for the most money most years. I saw there was one baseball signed by Bill Murray. Nice. Yep, yep. Uh, Bill Murray, there's uh, um, Will Ferrell. Oh, Bill, uh, Mer- Bill, Bill Murray's always been involved. You know, he's, he's owned minor league clubs. So he's been right. around baseball his whole life. And, you know, but what a classic guy he is, too. You mentioned the minor league clubs. I did see something on the site. We do a, a minor league show for the Phillies as well, in addition to this. And the minor league umpires have gotten involved and, and helped out as well, correct? Oh, yeah. that we're, the, we're excited about that at the big league level. But the minor league guys, right now it's just in AAA, but they've uh, each year they've raised money during spring training at a bowling event we do. They have a little competition between the different uh, camps that they're assigned to. And, and both we have two in Florida, one in Arizona now. And now we're doing the ticket programs and the, with the Miracle League is involved with the minor league one. So, yeah, we're, we're expanding to that. We're expanding to the... Uh, you know the amateur side. We're we're going to have hopefully have uh, a seminar in uh, Indianapolis with uh, umpires from all different levels of baseball, whether college. You know, guys that have worked college World Series. We have guys. We'll have some high school guys there to, you know, just have a little workshop and a situation handling. So yeah, umpire is. You know, it started doing stuff in the, at the big league level, the big, big league ballparks, but it's expanding into, um, you know, to the minor leagues and the minor league umpires, and we're 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 working together with the NBA Referees Association, the NHL, and the NFL, trying to all all four of those groups are very excited about getting you know getting together and doing some charitable event each year, and hopefully that'll morph into something bigger. You know, it's just you know the officials are just like everybody else. You know, there's they like giving back to community. They like giving back to the "quote unquote" less fortunate, uh, you know, people that are down on their luck a little bit. So, we're proud of all the different things that Care has done over the years. And we have a family care program where, you know, if a big league umpire or his family or somebody they know has fallen on hard times, we will help out in the short term. We're not, you know, there's the baseball assistance team bat that you know does stuff long term with people involved with baseball. But we're proud of. We've never, we've never not helped somebody that came to us for help as far as just needing little car payments or mortgage payments for a few months because the illness has been falling on hard times. So, All right. we also, uh, we also do our, uh, we have a scholarship program where we give out forty thousand dollars a year to freshmen <laughs> and follow them all the way through their senior year of college and graduation. That's, so that, that's, that's a big deal, too. That's amazing. Uh, Gary, thank you so much for joining us. We, we will make sure to uh, tell people that the, the, um, the website. auction is at MLB.com. Is there any place else MLB. that we can find MLB.com it? MLB.com slash umpscare. You can go right, right to the auction right. and bid on what you want and, and support their effort to support families in the community. And, yeah, uh, there's, there's some great stuff on there. There's a you know, behind-the-scenes tour of the Hall of Fame. Jeff Idelson from uh, the Hall of Fame has been very – he's actually come on and played in our golf tournament that we have every January. So, nice. Yeah. I'll get Jeff to bid on the Hall of Fame one for me, so he'll get right on that for me. Um, Gary, we really appreciate you coming on. Look forward to talking to you further about all the great things that you guys are doing. Did we lose great you? Great day. Appreciate Th- it. Thank you so much.
Jeff, it's really cool. Um, you know, we talk a lot about the impact sports has on community, and a lot of time we focus on the athletes. But when we get a chance to talk about people associated with sports, be it the corporate people involved with the teams or the umps or whoever it is, it, it's not just the athletes that are making a difference and giving back using the platform they have. It, it's amazing that they do these things. And, you know, people know so little about umpires. They're just used to... L- uh, the best umpires are ones you don't notice, right? Well, isn't that so? The way it's supposed to be, like if you know the ump, they've done something that. Well, that, that's always been them. the the argument, but and I've always been a proponent of having umpires and referees and not having all these electronics and all the all the reviews. And Aaron Nola does not want an electronic strike zone either. TMZ found him earlier this week. Oh, good for him. Just letting you know. Okay, I, I know that We're you follow TMZ closely. He's old school. I know that you follow TMZ closely, no, I don't. Jeff. And For I just a variety wanted to of make sure we won't talk about. Wanted to make sure you didn't miss that one. <laughs> um, but no, it's a great opportunity. We'll put the information it, 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 up. It on really our is, and it's amazing because it started as as something as you know with the baseball strike, with the umpire strike, is to help those that kind of lost their jobs, and and it kind of evolved into helping the community so much. And, and it's amazing to see how many things that are up on this website. <laughs> Sorry, as I cough again right, right. there. Yeah, you know, I'm just, what can I do? I'm coughing a lot. So what if I told you that in a league that went to the playoffs... What if I told you? Every number one seed would lose in the first round. Hockey, The, def- eh? the defending champs would be out. Yeah. None of the remaining teams have been in the conference final since 2016. Yeah. Five lower seeds won. All four wild Flyers wildcard. aren't in it, are they? No, they're still okay. not in it. All okay. four wildcard teams advance. Mm-hmm. You surprised by just how loony these NHL playoffs are? I have to be honest. You haven't I, watched. I haven't watched You're that much. You're killing and, and, and me, Jeff. I, I love the NHL You're playoffs. missing some good hockey. Well, I'm not even lying to you. Look, I, look, we've had some good weather, so I'm outside with my sports right now, okay? It, this is on very late at night. I know you cut out caffeine and you're not staying up at this point this past like five o'clock. Although I will have to stay up late this weekend because because the union are out in Vancouver, eh? That's a late game. I know. That's a really and then they and then they have to turn around and come back here for a Wednesday game against FC Cincinnati, where uh, Jason and Jeff will be there. Yeah, we'll hang out there on Wednesday yeah, night. I'm, look, I'm looking forward to seeing the yeah. team a little bit. You were down there recently for the game last Saturday that they won three nothing against right? another Canadian team. Tell me about what you saw down there, and then we'll get to the comments from Coach Curtin. What I saw was a team that has been on fire. I mean. They've won. They haven't just gotten points, which is a soccer thing. They've gotten four out of their last five uh, games have been wins. So they've gotten three points for each game. Jason's sitting here waving fingers. I don't know I'm what you're doing. I'm trying to make sure that Brett's ready to play your audio that you got down there. Jeff was Brett, down there. Brett, I got your back. He, he asked a really good hands. question of, of Coach Curtin yes. down there about the depth that he has this year on the team. You mm-hmm. can hear Jeff ask the question and the coach's answer now. You've talked a little bit about uh, the number of injuries and the things that you've had to go through. Is this the deepest team that you've ever coached? Yeah, that's safe to say. Uh, I think we've done a great job in the offseason of, of acquiring good talent, obviously, at the top end of the roster, but also now young guys pushing uh, for minutes. Um, you know, it, it used to be that, you know, a red card, an injury could change um, us in a drastic way, uh, whereas now we have full confidence in the in the group uh, to, to step in and have it be uh, a seamless transition. It's not going to be, listen, every characteristic of a player is different, and, and Marco Fabian brings different characteristics than, than – uh, Brendan Aronson and Jamiro. Uh, but uh, if the roles are clear, uh, the, the messages during the week are the same. Um, it gives a, a confidence within the group uh, and within the staff also. And, and it, it's 
speaks to uh, the amount that this roster has has improved and strengthened. Um, it's still early. We have a long way to go, so we won't get too ahead of ourselves. But certainly, um, that is a real improvement that we made this offseason. And you're about to watch now uh, the improvements further uh, as, as I get to go sit down and watch the steel play. So there's guys that are going to keep pushing things, uh, and that's uh, what a, a good club has. They have a really good pipeline of young players coming through. They have a second team that gives minutes, uh, and you saw some of the benefits of that. A guy like Casper today, you know, steps on the field. Yes, it's only 10 minutes. I wanted to get him more, but because we had to burn two subs, you know, you're, you're, you're hesitant. But with the 10 minutes that he gets, he leaves a really good impression on the group. So everybody's stepping up uh, and doing a good job, um, but we still have a lot of work to do, a lot to improve on, uh, and and uh, a difficult test now against Vancouver in a busy week. Turn around to go again on Wednesday. Coach seemed in a good mood after that win, 3 nothing. So, so I have to tell you, uh, from what I've seen of Coach Curtin, that's as high as he gets. <laughs> it, it is, it's amazing how he's very much like a, a Canadian hockey coach. He's just very even-keeled. He just beat Mon- the Montreal Inc. Impact that had not given up a goal in the previously three games, and they won 3 nothing. Montreal is in second place one point ahead of the Union. The Union are in third place right now. And they played great despite having an injury to Dre Blake, who's their goalie. He made some great saves before he went out. Then they had Matt Freeze come in. He didn't really have a lot of chances. Who's a great story in his own right. Yeah, he's, an, he's another local boy who made his MLS debut. And hopefully we'll get a chance to talk to him next Wednesday. Um, but I think the reason that there was... You said he was happy. I can tell you that he was pleased with some of it he had to deal with literally he got a call at midnight the night before that one of his players was having emergency appendix surgery he's probably tired so so he had that and had to change up the lineup and then with a 3-0 lead in the 90th minute and for people who don't follow hockey too closely there's only 90 minutes except for then the extra time in the 90th minute one of their best players kai wagner decided to get himself a red card which means not only is he thrown out of this, the rest of this game, he can't play in the next game. So you're telling so, me the coach wasn't happy. Yeah. Well, he didn't. He didn't say it was stupid, but he came it, as close <laughs> as he's going to but to he, say he, he thought it was stupid. Yeah. But I mean, they, they are. They're such an exciting team this year that this is probably the best team he's had in a long time. And as he said, it's the deepest team. That Every time somebody goes down, somebody else is there. I mean, I can't imagine how good they'll be when they do have Fabian and when they have Wagner and they have McKinnon back. The team is good enough to win the MLS Cup this year. Oh, look at you going on a yep, one. I am. All right, I want to leave MLS there. We've got four minutes left, and I want to go okay. back to what we started the show with. Oh, uh, you want to I want to close on Tyreek Hill. Yeah. Um, should he be in the NFL? If what I heard and what people have heard on the audio tape that was released yesterday turns out to be true, if it's true that he did these things, if it's true, and again, it's just alleged that he that his son's arm was broken, uh, which it was bro- it was definitely broken. It's a question of where, and there was an allegation by the wife of that he a three year old kid that he would punch the kid in the chest. Uh, if that's true, and then a threat. Now keep in mind, he was already a risk. People didn't think he should be drafted. He fell when he in got the drafted. draft because of his prior correct issues. That if he had. this is true, he should not play in the NFL ever again. 
Brett, you're a Chiefs fan. Um, can you this year? You know, we I'm went we fan. went through this. Get out! You were a Chargers fan. We went through ago. this years ago in Philadelphia <laughs> when they signed Michael Vick, and I'm not trying to compare the two at all, but somebody who has a situation that has been scrutinized off the field, and there were could fans root for him given what he had done. As a Chiefs fan, can you root for him on the field as a fan? No, I can't. I mean, that's a that's a tough. You know, you want to see your team win, but um, you know, this league has tried to make strides in terms of coming to some consistency in how they discipline people, particularly right. around well, this issue. Well, I'm about to throw another another wrench into this. Okay, okay. another downer quickly. Throw, throw wrenches. Andy Reid has now had this. You know, he drafted Hill. Kareem Hunt. No, he's had Kareem Hunt. And he just spent $100 million on a guy who was thrown out of the University of Michigan for alleged abuse issues. And then verbally, I think, attacked a female reporter who brought it up last year. So you think it's an Andy Reid control issue? Like he's losing control? In no, I don't think he's losing control. I just think they're bringing in low character people. I think I'm surprised that Andy would put up with bringing in low-character people like this. I mean, Frank Clark, now he hasn't had an incident since he's been in the NFL, but again, you're taking that risk and you just handed him $100 million when you had D. Ford and let him go. So I don't I don't know what they're doing, but they, they either inadvertently or blindly have decided that they're going to become the Bengals and, and, and have these kind of guys. But back to your question, there is no way that I would ever let Tyreek Hill even clean out his own locker again. Do you think that true. the reaction of the NFL and the Chiefs has been good enough? He's apparently suspended indefinitely. The now. Chiefs have said he's not allowed to the complex for now. Is, so I think they've done the right thing to to allow the investigation to play out because some of this is new information. the The prosecutors have have been inclined not to prosecute. They said that the child did have a broken arm. They couldn't show who did it. Um. If you listen to the audio tape, say, we've you decide about, for yourself. We've learned about the power of audio and video, yes. where allegations then become corroboration because there is some type of confirmation. Right. So I believe the audio came out last night. So there, I assume there'll be more investigation. We'll see if the prosecutor decides to now go forward with it. But even if the prosecutor does, I haven't heard Tyreek Hill come out and deny any of this stuff. No. This and, is a heavy topic for us on the show on, but I did want to give you a chance to talk about look, it. Look, it's important. These are kids. Uh, it, it, this should not happen. Under no circumstances should a child be struck. I'm going to give you the last word for the week. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Make sure to join us next Friday night to help you start your weekend in style. Have a great one, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.